Alberta is booming, at least when it comes to our population. Between January and March of 2023, 51,000 people moved to this province. So our population has now reached 4.7 million. That's up 4.5% from last year. So what is going on? Why Alberta and why this boom? Is it sustainable? we got a lot of questions for our first guest of the show. He's an economist for Concordia University. Moshe Lander is joining us. Moshe, thank you so much for making the time. Always good to talk to you. You as well. So, okay, what is going on? Is this all due to the Alberta's calling campaign? Is this something else? 51,000 people in a matter of a few months coming to Alberta is no small number. You're right. And I, I'm not going to give credit to some advertising campaign. Uh, but, <laughs> I didn't think you uh, would. <laughs> but but it is part of what we call the Alberta advantage, right? Like, it, it's hard not to notice that when you have the lowest income taxes in Canada, when you don't have a sales tax, at least provincially, mm-hmm. uh, your money stretches further. And guess what? The last 12 months have been uh, high inflation, at least by Canadian standards. And so when you're looking to try and figure out how to make that money stretch, Alberta really looks attractive when you automatically have that financial advantage just built into the way that the system is is designed. So clarify then, we're talking about Canadians from other parts of the country that are eyeing Alberta and saying, look, things look better there. So this is Canadians moving to Alberta or is this people coming from other countries as well? It's both. So within Canada, that's certainly a draw. But even if you're coming from outside of Canada, where would most people from outside Canada normally look? They're going to look at the big three, right? They're going to look Vancouver, mm-hmm. Toronto, and Montreal. And Toronto and Vancouver have now reached points where they're essentially unaffordable, especially if you're looking to buy a home. They, they've almost priced themselves right out of the market. Montreal isn't quite there yet, but it's rapidly getting there. Montreal, of course, has its own problems too because of the language laws and all of the uh, restrictions the provincial government has put on trying to attract the right sort of immigrants. Uh, So once you move past the big three, you're uh, looking at the second table of of Canadian cities. And and guess what? Calgary and Edmonton have seats right near the top of that table, along with other cities. But uh, when you have two of them within the province, they're going to start drawing people not just from within Canada, but also outside. Do you think then that this means that these, you know, sort of second seat cities like Calgary or Edmonton are now going to move up on the list of what's desirable? Because I know what you're talking about. You know, when you think about the most desirable places in Canada, you're typically thinking of a Toronto or a Vancouver. But does this sort of reframe the way that Edmonton or Calgary are are seen on a national or even global scale? It can. Calgary has traditionally uh, appeared near the top of the table for the Economist, uh, in their intelligence unit ranks the most wonderful places to live in the world. And Calgary's consistently been in the top five, you know, and it competes with Scandinavian cities and Swiss cities and everything that we in Canada would love to think about if we lived in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're noticing that Calgary is one of those cities uh, that has a lot to offer. Edmonton doesn't make the list, uh, but, you know, Edmonton is a, a, a government town and it has, of course, all of the same attractions uh, that Calgary does. It's my, not getting the recognition, but that'll build over time that as these cities approach a million people and and beyond, uh, they start to offer the things that million plus people cities offer it and, and that starts to feed on itself. 
So real estate obviously is one thing. My husband and I were in Vancouver over the weekend. And, you know, I don't know if anybody else does this, but typically when we're in another city, we get curious and we'll look and see what real estate costs. And it is absolutely insane. I don't know how anyone is actually purchasing a home there. So, I mean, in that sense, it does make a lot of sense that Edmonton is much more affordable. Can you talk about cost of living overall when it comes to Alberta and how we stack up with other provinces? Yeah, and I'll, I'll even give you anecdotally. I mean, I'm a transplanted Ontarian, you know, and I came out to Alberta around 25 years ago, and I've, I've never left because, mm-hmm. uh, because you know, you you have all of the advantages in Alberta that you're, you're not going to get in those cities. So it, it is affordable. Um, the hardest part, uh, you know, is is the maybe geographic isolation. Uh, that maybe doesn't exist in the other cities, but that that's easily fixed with good airports that that connect you. Um, you know, within Edmonton and Calgary, the other advantage that they have, which will always help to make them affordable, is there's really no geographic boundary. Vancouver has the Pacific Ocean and the U.S. border a little further to the south. Montreal's on an island. Toronto has Lake Ontario, right? So mm-hmm. there, there's a natural limit. But, it, you know, Edmonton and Calgary can expand a long way before they hit the Rockies. So, um, you know, th- there there is this ability then that they always have the ability to add if they properly design mm-hmm. uh, municipally, uh, but that's always going to help to keep the cost down. And of course, everybody in Alberta uh, recognizes that our gasoline prices are lower than anywhere else, our natural gas prices and heating prices are lower than anywhere else. And so it's not just the affordability of actually getting a home, it's actually being able to maintain that home, operate that home. And if you're renting, uh, your rental costs are going to be lower too than by extension because for the landlord, the, the cost of running the home is, is cheaper too. I would think that there are many people listening even right now that have similar stories to you, Moshe, where they came here and now, you know, it's been a couple of decades and you're still here because the opportunity is really great. Do you think people are coming here with the intention of it being a temporary situation or is this a permanent change and a permanent increase that has some sustainability for our province? So I I think that the increase is going to continue. What matters now is how do the cities, particularly Calgary and Edmonton, maybe even Red Deer to some extent, because it's going to get some of the spillover growth, how are they going to respond, right? It's not just enough that people are moving here. It's that you now need to make sure that your infrastructure is keeping pace. And infrastructure is a lot more than just that the roads need to be up to speed, right? Or that you have the LRT expanding properly. It's that you need to make sure that enough schools are being built and enough teachers are being uh, push through schools that they're ready to actually educate your children when they come here and that hospitals are there and ready to deal with all age groups, right? Because uh, while I'm not there yet, uh, I'm going to be a senior one day and uh, I'm going to look for the Alberta healthcare system to take care of me. So, you know, all of that stuff has to develop around it. And so that really requires a lot of planning municipally, but also provincially too, that the government needs to make sure that within its budget, it's not just blowing cash today. It's thinking about how do we create that heritage fund sustainability that's going to allow us to finance uh, a province of seven or eight million people that could easily be there within, say, a decade. And then thinking about what that can mean for our economy overall. And I want to get into that with you a little bit, Moshe. You are an economist, so uh, let's go down that road a little bit, but we do have to take a very short break. So we'll be right back talking with Moshe Lander, economist at Concordia University, talking about Alberta's population on track for the biggest boom since 1914. We'll be right back in three minutes. Alberta is booming. Our population is on track for the biggest boom since 1914. So what does this do for our economy? We're getting into it right now with our guest, who's an economist for Concordia University, Moshe Lander. No stranger to the show, Moshe. Thank you so much for sticking around on hold. Really appreciate your time. 
Yeah, no problem. So let's imagine then we stay on this same track and we keep growing here in this province. You know, you imagine that demand is going to increase and housing prices are going to go up. Do we get to the same situation that we're seeing now in other cities like Vancouver or Toronto where we're just pricing people out of the market? Or is this ultimately a good thing for our economy if we handle it well? So handled well, then you have the ability to sustain this for decades to come. Handled poorly, uh, Winnipeg is is sitting at the other end of the prairie saying, uh, we'll take you. And, and so that's the risk that you run is that there's always the next city up. So in the same way that Calgary and Edmonton have a lot of natural advantages, uh, part of it is that they're the uh, beneficiaries of the problems in Toronto, Vancouver and Montreal. And so if Calgary and Edmonton in particular don't handle it well, uh, this is the type of thing where uh, there's always the next city up that's going to have their own advertising campaign saying, can't live in Alberta anymore, come to us. And so, you know, there, there is a risk. So, but the long-term projections are that ultimately this could look like a really good thing for our province and ultimately is. It is. And again, it, you know, the, the ability to grow within this province because it's so open, because there's so much space, uh, and part of it is that it should be able to feed on itself, right? When you're drawing immigrants from outside of the country, one of the great advantages, once that first generation, second generation build the base, it makes it easier for the next generation to come in because there's already an infrastructure there for them to, to add on to then, right? And so that creates diversity and diversity, generally speaking, from an evolutionary standpoint is a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it, there's all kinds of positives here, um, but but it, it has to be properly managed, yes. Do we know, Moshe, who, who is moving here, what the demographics are? Are they people that are kind of starting their life? What, what, what age are we looking at here? Yeah, they're generally younger. It's, it, you're not seeing the senior set. So the advantage here, too, from a government standpoint is that they're going to be net contributors uh, to the economy. And by net contributors, I mean that they're going to be paying more in taxes than they're going to be drawing out of the system. There's uh, an unfortunate group that tends to take a negative attitude towards immigrants. They think that they're here to kind of leech off of the system and, and, and take advantage of the government. Uh, that is that is not the case. These these are younger people that are looking to build family, build career uh, and and because they're coming in at that young age, over the course of their lifetime, they're going to be net positives. Of course, you know, at some point, you will see that they'll call in for their parents and things like that. Uh, but they are sustaining that generation that they're bringing in, uh, rather than saying, you know, there's the line to the, the welfare office. It's it's interesting to me to be kind of talking about this while at the same time we've been talking about high costs and inflation and job opportunities looking limited and this feels like it's a nice it's it's a positive spin on you know some real conversations that we've been having that seem to touch on the other side of things lately. Are there enough job opportunities for this amount of growth? So again, it, it's a matter of part of what the government needs to do is make sure that they are trying to draw in businesses. And so one of the advantages, of course, that Alberta likes to tout is the low corporate tax. And so if you can set up shop in uh, Calgary and Edmonton, if the airports are working in a way uh, post-COVID that they can try and reestablish some of those connections that they had lost during the, the last three years, uh, then, you know, any anywhere is accessible here. Uh, at worst, you're one connection through Vancouver, Toronto to pretty much anywhere in the world. So mm-hmm. there is the ability then to draw on businesses. But again, it's a matter of making sure that you're laying the right groundwork. Uh, you know, the oil and gas sector has a future in the province, but the future is limited. And so what comes next? Are we moving towards the tech sector jobs? And it seems that 
the cities are trying to draw in uh, that younger generation and, and offer them jobs. Uh, at the end of the day, the government can only lay the groundwork. It's that corporations have to be sold on what's the advantage and be sold that, hey, this is a wonderful place to live. You can do that, then the jobs will be there. Uh, and the interesting thing is that there's not just a fixed supply of jobs. With new people coming into the economy, they want different types of services or they want different types of goods or they want maybe specific types of restaurants or clothes or whatever it is. Uh, And so there's an element here that that demand will in fact create supply. And so the jobs will come merely because people want certain things that might not already be here. And so someone entrepreneurial will say, I can take advantage of that and profit from this. Let me create a, a, a company here. Let me create some sort of distribution channel. You know, I think the presentation, too, to how people work looks really different now in a post-COVID world. There's so much remote work opportunity. So, you know, you might not be able to necessarily transfer your position over to our province, but you could potentially move here and temporarily still be working until something reveals itself to you. Uh Moshe, thank you so much for making the time this afternoon and uh, for coming on to kind of expand on this and explain it. Really appreciate your time as always. Anytime. Let's do it soon. Of course. Take care. Moshe Lander is an economist for Concordia University, excuse me, talking about Alberta's population on track for the biggest boom since 1914. So between January and March of this year, we saw 51,000 people move to our province and a third of those are coming from other places in Canada.